0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Minds with Bobby Mack. The object of this show is to speak to other interesting people in an unassuming way as we explore some of life's big questions. And today, I'm going to talk to my cousin Will, who is a small, <laughs> who is a small, I'm interesting, mis- <laughs> yeah, <I'm> interesting. <laughs> yeah, who is a small small business owner and reality TV star. <laughs> so, I don't know about star. Well, <laughs> you were the star in our family, so. Uh, <laughs> I guess. How's it going, Will?
1: I'm good. Um, you know, uh, working on things, working on my website. Uh, that that's pretty much been the main thing. Uh, I've been doing band stuff again too. I play guitar in a band, so I've been doing that. Um, you know, just as this quarantine slowly eases off, it's given me, you know, more. I, I, it's given me more time to work on things outside of my
0: house right so first before we get into everything is there a website that you want to plug we could do it again uh, at the end but
1: okay yeah uh you can go to www.deepcoverny.com uh, i run and maintain uh, a vintage website everything on there is usually pre-2004 mostly pre-2000s i try not to break that uh and if you use the code friendbeers, which is my podcast that you can check out on spotify uh the podcast app literally anywhere where you can listen to it uh if you use the code Beer as a checkout you get 10 percent off your whole purchase and shipping is free within the united states
0: great um yes i've bought some merch from uh, your store myself you bought where that I'm glow-in-the-dark einstein t-shirt right or did you, your mom buy that for you, for you gifted it to me that's, that's right <laughs> yeah um but you also <laughs> gave me a uh an 80s Nike zip up hoodie uh, not hoodie zip up sweater
1: Yes, 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 I remember that.
0: Um, What I find really interesting is how many, at your peak, how many uh, vintage items did you have in your inventory?
1: I honestly have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Probably uh, over a thousand, maybe like two to three thousand, I would say. Mm -hmm. That seems realistic.
0: And you said that you can remember every single one's origin story?
1: Uh, yeah. If you pull something out of my storage unit or like out of my closet, uh, like 99 times out of 100, I'll be able to tell you where I got it.
0: Um, and how old were you when you started collecting vintage stuff?
1: Uh, well, ever since I was a kid, my dad would kind of take me to flea markets, uh, trade shows and things like that, because he would look for things that he liked. So uh, I was just there, and I would just look at toys and stuff like that. And it would uh, – so since I was a kid, you know, just buying old Matchbox, hot wheel cars, uh, whatever it might be, an old comic book, just because I liked it. You know, and it was just a flea market, so it was free range. I didn't even really know if it was old or not. I just liked it, and then I would learn that I was old. I'd be like, oh, this is cool. So, you know, that kind of, ch- like, changed with what I was into while I was getting older. So when I started kinda of getting into like clothes and fashion and stuff in high school, um like sophomore year of college is really when I started going uh getting into thrifting and estate sales and flea markets and uh pretty much anywhere you could find cheap clothes.
0: Uh dare I ask if you could remember like the types of comics that you were reading when you like were a little kid that you picked out at the flea market?
1: Oh, it was it was just weird things like It was just weird, obscure, like, DC offshoots. Like, there was one guy, and it was just like, he looks like a cowboy on a motorcycle, but I was like, wow, like, this is cool. He's a cowboy on a motorcycle. Like, the Mm -hmm. the, uh, cover was, like, so captivating that I was like, you know what? Like, I'll read this. Um, Some weird Spider-Man stuff. It was never, like, things that, like, oh, I'm gonna get into the series and read them in order. It was kind of like, look at this cool cover. I'll just read this issue and see what it's about.
0: So kind of a uh, segue into how did you go from collecting this stuff to then wanting to open up a business?
1: Well, uh, I kind of always wanted to have a store growing up because I would always go to like, kind of these mom and pop shops, like down the block from uh, where I grew up. Uh, Mainly there was a, I didn't even move that far. So I guess down the block from where I lived uh, my whole life uh there was this place called paul's toy box and it was an old diner turned into like a junk shop and this guy would bring in toys and he would bring in uh just random things and they would just be spread out on all these tables in the diner like all the tables were still there and then he had the back room that was the kitchen that he emptied out and it was just furniture and bikes and whatever and so i would go there a lot uh And then I would go to this other place called the Comic Book Book Depot in Wontal on Jerusalem Avenue. And again, it was just like a small owned shop owned by this guy. So I was kind of always surrounded by it. I was always supporting small businesses just by chance, I guess. Um, So I always wanted a store because I loved the way that you could just display the things. It always looked nice the way you could set it up and make things your own. So I would keep all my toys in the box when I got them, all my Hot Wheel cars and stuff. And I would kind of display them in my, in my room on shelves, like how a store would do it, but I wouldn't sell them. Um, and it was just something I always wanted to do. So it kind of worked out with this in a nice way. Because uh, I originally started selling at flea markets in Manhattan. And uh, then that worked its way into opening up a store with somebody. And then from there, I opened my own store. So it was in, a, it was in like a short time span, too. That probably all happened in like like six years. I did all of that. Maybe seven.
0: Yeah, I do remember in high school, I don't know if your room is still like this. I remember walking into your room and feeling like I'm walking in a, in a shoe store.
1: Yeah. That's, you have like a hundred pairs of
0: shoes on shelves.
1: Yeah, it was just, you know, like just, you know, the pre- like I was, I'm all about presentation. So uh, I don't know. It just struck me, you know, there's like, there was this girl who I was kind of seeing and uh, the first time she ever walked into my room, she was like, wow, you have a really cool room. And I was like, thank you. And then the next time I saw her, she was like, so not gonna lie, I kind of, I kind of made my room a little bit more like yours. And I was, I was, she's like, you're a very copyable person. And I, don't know, I know other people who have done this too. Um, so I guess it's just, I've just been displaying things for so long that I've kind of just been good at it. And you know, people see that and they're like, wow, that looks nice. I wonder if I could do that. <laughs>
0: Now, what is it about uh, the specific era that you're focused on, like pre two thousands, eighties, nineties? Is there something? What's special about that?
1: Uh, There was just such, um, like it's weird because you'd think now, today, there'd be more freedom of expression with clothes and all that, but in the eighties and nineties, it really was, you know, and uh, a lot of it was more artistically driven and created versus today, and things were. Uh, made uh, better, you know, quality control was definitely a thing and things are made to last and they're not made out of recycled materials. Not that there's anything bad. Patagonia is a great brand that recycles a lot of materials to make their things. And I think North Face does as well. Um, but, you know, it was just directions were different. Things weren't as money hungry and corporate driven. And, uh, you know, you kind of, you, you lose that with, t- you you know, that got lost with time. It got lost with disposable fashion. You know, you go and buy a pair of jeans and they rip in two weeks. But I can find a pair of Levi's at a thrift store that were made in the mid-80s and they'll last you 20 more years, you know? So just overall, everything's better. Um, and there was just, you know, people took pride in what they were making. They took pride in what they were creating. And it really showed a lot. Even if you were a no-name brand that was selling on the rack in some, you know, sportswear store in the middle of nowhere, you know, like, it's, you know, you still tried your hardest. Um, And now people just look for quick bucks, they look for quick flips, everyone's trying to rip off somebody else. Um, They think the formulas that apply for a brand that's successful works for another brand, but it won't. And people don't understand why. So, you know, there's definitely a lot of reasoning behind it. Um, And it's not like I just do it just to do it. Uh, I mean, the money's definitely nice sometimes. But you know, I like the whole re- upcycling and, you know, finding something and just uh, just finding the most minute detail in it that makes it worth anything to you. You know, it's fun.
0: That's what I find is always so interesting that you're always working because you don't really have, you don't have a supplier. You're your own supplier,
1: you know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I already set my alarm for an estate sale I'm going to go to at like 7 a.m. tomorrow. So... You know, I'm always, I'm always looking and it's fun. You know, it's like a retail therapy at the same time, just buying stuff and being like, yeah, look at this. I bought this thing and you know, it's, it's a lot of fun.
2: So what's your like process like for like finding things or figuring out which like garage sales to hit up or whatever. So
1: so garage sales are usually a fluke. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'd stop at them, but unfortunately, you know, uh, those, those ones are, you know, they're hit or miss. But with estate sales, flea markets, anything like that, you just got to look. You just, you know, a lot of it's right place, right time in thrift stores. There's like no rhyme or reason why a certain thing will come out when. But luckily with the internet and everything, it's made it a little bit, e- well, not even luckily because I was doing it before these things existed. But with like estate sales, they'll usually have pictures of, um, of what's in the house for sale. So I'll look at those in advance, usually like a few days, a week, whatever, check every day, see what's coming up. Uh, Flea markets, you got to get there bright. You got to get there bright and early, uh, you know, because you don't want to miss out because there's definitely other people going there. Uh, And that's, you know, that's usually what I, you know, those are my main things I usually hit up. And uh, you can usually tell based off tags where things, like how old something is based off where it was made or if a concert t-shirt has a year on it or um, some shirts will have like an artist signature with a year on it. A lot of stuff then, just people just happen to put copyright dates on them, uh, which mm-hmm. is something that doesn't happen too frequently today. Uh, so th- like today's fashion, like, and there's no longevity to it because you can just keep doing the same thing over and over again. People aren't really... You know it's not limited supply like that unless there's some brands that are but uh you know then it was like yeah this shirt came out in 1988 and like that's it they they might have retroed it once or twice but like as far as it like that's all they made Mm -hmm. uh so that's some ways to tell um materials there's things tri-blend which is rayon cotton and polyester blends that were more 70s early 80s and then they switched more to half cotton half polyester uh, which are like 50-50 t-shirts. A lot of ringers like that have red collars and like a white shirt or like a blue collar. Like those are usually uh, half cotton, half polyester. And then everything's like 100% cotton today. Everything. Yeah. Hmm. Um Do you have like a
2: favorite like hidden gem kind of story of like something that you just like randomly found that was like super valuable or rare or cool or something at some random... Uh.
1: Honestly, probably one of my best finds was like right when thrift, start, thrift stores st- uh, started opening after the quarantine, I went to a thrift store in the Bronx, uh, Unique right. in the Bronx. This was the first time I was ever there, too. It's been there for a while. My first time ever going. A rack rolls out. I look on it, and I find this Snoop Dogg sweatshirt for his album Doggy Style, which I believe came out in 1992. I could be wrong. But um, I found this sweatshirt. I posted on my instagram and someone dms me they're like i'll give you one thousand one hundred dollars for that right away and i was like wow. done done it <laughs> so, was five dollars yeah. <laughs> it was five dollars wow. and i got it for half off for two dollars <laughs> and 99 cents <laughs> that's
2: awesome
1: yeah so oh. i just knew what it was when i found it i was broke a sweat and huh. uh yeah that was that was fun and then i saw someone who I know who does the same thing as me, sort of, not as extreme as I do it. Uh, I saw him there like 10 minutes after I found it. And when he was like, oh, what do you got? I was like, dude, dude you don't even want to no. know. But I showed it to him.
0: <laughs> and he knew what it was? Was he jealous? Yeah, he was like, oh man,
1: you can probably get six. And I was like, nah, I could probably get at least eight. And then someone offered me 11. And I was like, take it, done. This a stupid sweatshirt, I don't even need it.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: <laughs> how?
0: Um, so, because I was going to ask, how do you know how to price certain items? Yeah. Is that something that you just kind of figure out with time?
1: Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, though, is a lot of things will decrease in value because people lose interest in it, but a lot of things will increase in value because either a movie comes out again or a, a celebrity wears a t shirt or something. You know, like if LeBron James goes out and wears a vintage t shirt tomorrow, that t shirt's mm-hmm. going to increase by probably $100. Uh, easily, uh, Travis Scott, the rapper, he wears a shirt. You know, tomorrow that's just gonna be worth like two hundred more dollars. Uh, another example is there's a Ben and Jerry's Nike uh, shoe that just came out, like a collaboration. It's uh, a Nike SB, and it's the Ben and Jerry's one. There's Ben and Jerry's T-shirts that were literally worth ten to twenty dollars, and now those T-shirts are about one hundred and seventy-five dollars because these shoes came out. So there's interesting spikes and in like that, like that too. Um, and sometimes you can find like little holes in the market where things don't sell for what you'd think they would. Like for instance, I took wrestling t-shirts, like vintage WWF t-shirts, um, mainly pre 2002, and I was buying them for fifteen dollars on eBay and was just flipping them for fifty because I was like, "This is amazing! Like this is great." But now every stone-cold shirt on eBay is at least $50 um, so I kind of I messed it up but uh, you know it worked in the long run but um, sometimes you just gotta look stuff up mainly I know you know it's very rare that I don't know um, but usually I just know I was just I was able to pick things out you know real easily my problem is when I started, I was mainly looking for my size and I wasn't buying things that wouldn't fit me that were worth money, just cause I was like, hey, I'm shopping for me. Um, but then, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes and, you know, now it's very hard to slip up, very hard.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of celebrities, increasing the value of things, you've had quite a few celebrities come into your store, right?
1: Yeah, I definitely had a bunch. Um, it's funny cause, you know, they're shopping in your store. And my friend would call it accidentally flexing because when a celebrity would come in, I would, I would just be like, oh, where are you from? What's your name? And he would be like, oh, you're accidentally like one upping that person by doing that. When meanwhile, I'm just trying to be friendly and nice. And you know, um, I don't want it to be about like you as a celebrity as much as you shopping as a person in my store. So I would always try and treat them normally.
0: I uh, I have to to ask you to tell the story about Aziz Ansari.
1: So Aziz Ansari, he he actually he walked by, and uh, I had a friend who was just at the shop, and he walked by and he lo- he was like looking in the store, like through the glass, and it was him and two friends. One was his brother Anise, and uh, his brother's a big wrestling fan, uh, so. I was like, "Yo, is that Aziz Ansari?" So I text my friend who just left. I was like, "Yo, I think Aziz was just, like just outside my store." So they go get something to eat or whatever. Oh, my friend was like, "No way!" And I was like, "Yeah." So they go get something to eat, and uh, I was like, "Like they walk in, and I was like, oh, shit! Like that's Aziz Ansari! Like am I allowed to curse? I'm sorry."
0: Yeah, no, yeah, you're fine. <laughs>
1: okay, okay, cool. So I was like, "Oh man! Like that's Aziz Ansari!" And like he walks in, he's, uh, with just him and his brother. I guess the third friend left and I walk up to his brother first because I knew who Aziz was. So I was like, all right, so this is that accidental flexing thing. Right. So I walk up to his brother first and I'm like, Oh, Hey, like, what's your name? Uh, were you like, he's like, Oh, uh, Aziz, I'm, I'm sorry. Aniz, And I was like, Oh, cool. Uh, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. You know, just trying to be friendly. And then I walk up to Aziz next. And I was like, Oh, what's your name? Is like, Aziz Ansari. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like as in the Aziz Ansari. He was like, yeah. And I was like, very nice to meet you. Like, uh, big fan, you know, so it was just talking, uh, you know, talking about wrestling, just things from back in the day. And he was a frequent shopper, too. He uh, he came back a lot. He did a comedy tour. He had uh, his uh, stylist buy a bunch of things from the store. Um, he wore them on tour, shouted us out, got me like over a thousand Instagram followers overnight. So uh, definitely a really nice
0: dude. I remember he like he bought something from your store and then wore it that night on SNL, right?
1: Yeah, he did. He bought an uh, NWO, which is a New World Order. Uh, it's a WCW wrestling thing, uh, and uh, he wore that on during the second. Like he introduces the musical guest, and I think they do two acts. And he introduced this the uh, musical guest for the second time wearing the sweatshirt. And someone hit me up and was like, "He just wore the sweatshirt." And usually, he doesn't take pictures because. Like I've, I've heard like people like, Oh my God, you got a picture of him. And I was like, yeah, I just asked him. And when I asked him, he first said no, but then he was like, yeah, he's like, I'll do a picture because there was no one in the store. And I was like, okay, cool. So we took a picture. And uh, then when I saw that, I was like, what? No way. Cause I wasn't even watching. I just had people hitting me up being like, I think you wore your sweatshirt on Saturday night live. And I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. That was so cool. And then, from there a bunch of wrestlers shouted him out a bunch of wrestlers were like oh check out Aziz blah, blah blah and that got me like more involved in the wrestling scene too which is interesting because a lot of people saw that and were like oh I guess he likes wrestling so I had people from wrestling promotions contacting me and other people who were involved in wrestling things contacting me so I got like a more behind the scene access to like that as well like it introduced me to that introduced me to like a whole other realm of things which is which is really cool and you know Uh, i was really fortunate to experience
2: that so you're saying that like the there's like a kind of intersection between wrestling and like an interest in like this like particular genre of vintage stuff like from the like 80s to like pre-2000s yeah
1: uh and there's a weird thing with comedy too a lot of comedians and wrestlers are friends uh and since Aziz is a, a comedian and his brother's a writer and he writes on his shows Um, they, they like, when they posted about me on Twitter, they talked about me in podcasts and stuff. So a lot of wrestlers who know them happen to reach out to me. Um, and then with vintage, a lot of the current wrestlers today grew up watching the same wrestling I grew up with because I'm 30. So I'm old enough to be a pro wrestler. So a lot of these guys also Mm -hmm. are seeing these shirts from their childhood and they're like, Oh, I'm a wrestler. I always loved this guy growing up, you know, now I'm interested in it. And, I've, and I was really big into the wrestling scene with the t-shirts too. And I would have um, promotions contact me and be like, oh, would you like to sell at our event? And I would say, I'd say, I'd say I appreciate it. But the thing is, like, I don't want to take away from the talent that's already there at these indie wrestling shows, like performing in the middle of nowhere Queens, you know, for not that much, you know, and they're selling their own t-shirts. I felt bad. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I appreciate it. So, you know, I would just want to go as a fan anyway. I'm not there to sell stuff. But that, again, put me in contact with people. And now they're, you know, I see these guys on TV that, you know, i was seeing in these little spots. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool to see that.
0: Uh, So, on the note of getting contacted by people, (laughs) you got contacted by MTV.
1: Yeah, I got contacted by MTV. Oof. This was now like three years ago. So yeah, like probably 20, 2017, summer of 2017, I think I got contacted by them. Uh, I, I believe, I, th- I think so. I don't know. I have the email somewhere still. But yeah, uh, I was interviewed by Complex Magazine. It was called like 90s Fashion, accord- 90s fashion and Style according to an expert or something like that. Uh, it, was a, it was a great interview. It was really cool. And I guess some casting director read it. Uh, they sent me a Facebook message and an email. They're like, We want to know if you'd like to be on this TV show. Uh, here's all our contact info. You know, we look from hearing we look forward to hearing from you soon. And I was like, I was like, this is kind of weird. Like I was like, I don't even I don't trust this. You want me to be on a TV show? Like just some random guy? Okay. But then I looked up his name. Um, I looked up the company that was there, and it all seemed legit. So I was like, all right, I mean I guess I'll respond. So respond to the email he's like great we'll call you tomorrow so then this lady called me the next day super nice uh she's like this is gonna be like a 10 minute phone call we were on the phone for like 45 minutes and she was just like i just want you on the show she's like whatever it is she's like i just want you on it i was like okay uh
0: and so then what happened then what how soon was it before you went to california
1: i didn't go to california for like till like four months later i want to say three or four months later um it was a lot of back and forth of just talking and filling out forms. And like, I I had to do this thing where I was recording myself talking in front of a camera and they would ask me questions and I had to answer them all like full sentence and like enthusiastically and everything and be like, my name's Will, blah, blah, blah. You know, typical MTV tryout thing. And, uh, it was fun. You know, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but uh, it was definitely it was definitely a fun and rewarding experience but I was waiting a while for a phone call from this guy Alan who I'm, uh, I'm still friendly with. He was another casting director he worked more directly with the talent versus the people who find who like find the talent so he's the one who keeps you updated as far as like what phase what step we're on um, and I remember. I was walking into the gym. I was going to retro fitness in East Meadow, which is now closed because the gym was horrible. And I remember walking, I remember walking in and getting a phone call as I'm walking in. And it was my, it was, it was Alan. He was just like, Hey, well, just want to let you know you're on. We're flying to California in like two weeks. And I was just like, and then I was like, I walked into the gym. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, what? Like I was so taken back from it. Like, So I still didn't know what the show was about.
0: That's what I was going to ask next. Yeah,
2: I was like, wait, did you mention what the, yeah.
0: Like, did you know whether or not you were going to be in, like, I don't know, some weird porno or something?
2: (laughs) No,
1: so as as far as they said, they compared it to a reality show um, similar to, like, Big Brother or The Real World. And I don't watch much TV, let alone reality TV. So that's kind of what I mean by, like, I don't know what I was getting myself into because, I was, I walked into this house clueless. No clue. Like, none. But, yeah. And so, well, the the first time I go to California, they fly me out. Everything's free. Transportation's free. Everything's awesome. They're like, there's a, it's gonna take you three days. You gotta take this like 500 true true or false Scantron test. That was just like, uh, and it kept asking the same questions, but like, in different order in like different ways. It was like, have you ever burnt anything to the ground? Would you ever burn anything to the ground? Have you ever considered burning anything to the ground? If someone paid you, would you burn something to the ground? <laughs> so it was like that, it was a lot of that. Um,
2: Do they want the people who would burn something to the ground or not? Like are, how like, cruel? is there like some threshold of craziness you know, that they want? Oh, absolutely, because what
1: like, you had to do that and then you had to talk to some doctor well first you had to fill out the thing and you know they were they were like that's day one Is fill out the thing right then day two is you talk uh you talk in front of the camera you do all like the reality like they ask you questions you answer them things talk about what was going on in the house that i was staying in and then the third day was they talk about your scantron results you take an iq test and then you talk to some doctor and i was like all right cool So I get there and they're like, as soon as I get there, they're like, you have to do all these three things immediately. Tell us as soon as you're done with the test, then from there, you're going to go to the camera. And then from there, you're going to, you know, talk to the doctor. And, you know, I was kind of like, well, they told, and I also wasn't allowed to leave my hotel room at all. So which I knew beforehand. So I was kind of like, Oh, well, I figured this kind of would have like eaten up the course of the day, but now I, you know, I'm doing all these at once. I'm just going to be stranded in my hotel room for the rest of the time. So yeah, take the thing, let them know, do all the camera stuff. You know, they want me to do all this stuff in front of the camera, dumb stuff, answer questions, be crazy. And then I talk to the guy who like evaluates my scan trial results. He's like, yep, seem pretty normal. And I was like, yep. And then I go back to my room and, uh, then it was interesting because this is my first time ever in California. So I was, I, and I was like, I don't get to experience this. Like this sucks. So I hit, before I went, I hit up a bunch of friends and I was like, oh yeah, like let's do something while I'm out here. And I couldn't. I had to cancel all those plans. But then day two, they're like, oh, hey, just so you know, you can take an Uber and you can go anywhere you want right now. And I was like, oh, well, oh. thank you. <laughs> so I canceled, but I canceled all my plans. Everything was done. So... Uh, I go to take a shower and my bathroom's completely flooded. I don't know what happened. A sink below me, above me, next to me, something, a toilet, something clogged. So then I was in my hotel room for like another four hours waiting for towels, waiting for them to fix this clog. Then I finally go outside and I see this guy. He has Vaseline, a jug of Vaseline that he's just pulling out by the handful, scooping jugs of Vaseline out and he's rubbing them on his (laughs) (laughs) face. Like, hovering his face in Vaseline. I was like, so this is California. Very nice. So then I go, I wait in front of, so then I go to a hotel and I stand out in front of the hotel. And I'm like, I'm going to have the Uber just pick me up here. So I'm waiting. This lady just, like, falls on the ground right in front of me. I'm just like, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I left my, I left my hotel 20 minutes ago, and this is California. So then I go to Santa Monica. Didn't really like it. It was all right, too touristy for me. When you work in Manhattan, you know, a touristy city, unless it's like foreign, doesn't really like, you know, like maybe in Canada or somewhere in Europe, you know, big cities doesn't really hold up to anything. So I didn't really like it, but yeah, went home and then took a flight, yeah, took a flight home from there, from California, like two days later, and then went back like two months later, I think.
0: And when you went back the second time, that was for the actual show? When I went back the second time, was for the actual show. Uh, and this show was called 90s House. MTV's <laughs> 90s House. It was called MTV's <laughs> 90s House. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's uh, one of my favorite things for the promo of this show, waiting for it to come out besides all the horrible pictures and dressing me up in like a drug rug and trying to make me like a skater hippie. I don't know, Kurt Cobain. <laughs> I don't know what they wanted. So it was just it was just bizarre. One of my favorite things is there's a scene from a commercial or something where I'm sitting down next to uh, Christina Milian and I was playing with an Etch-a-Sketch and she's like, Oh, like what's one of your, they like just ask you questions and they give you answers. But for me, I was like, well, when they ask me the questions, can I just like give my own answers? And I was, and they were like, yeah, sure. Like do whatever you want. I was like, awesome. Like, great. Um, So she's like, oh, what's one of your least favorite parts about the 90s, Will? And I was like, this primitive technology. And I turned the Etch-A-Sketch around. But for the promo, they spelt out primitive, and they spelt it wrong. And I was just like, ugh. Like, (laughs) just to show you how bad this show was and how serious they took it, they spelt primitive wrong in, like, the commercial. (laughs) a good look.
0: Now, when you got there... Uh, you know, they tried to, they claim they try to recreate the 90s, right? Like you can't have your phone and you can't have a computer, right? Yeah, yep. And so what are you, uh, what are you doing when you get there? So I have these, all these like mundane tasks for you to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I walk in probably, I'm probably the fifth person into the house and uh, I walk in and I'm just like, wow, this place is crazy. The walls are painted crazy colors. There's, like, graffiti. They have, like, framed windbreakers. I was like, that's kind of weird. But I tried to make a joke. I was like, look, breaking case of emergency windbreakers. Ha-ha. Um, so uh, I walk in, and this, this guy, Patrick, he's, like, this male model type. I don't know. He has, like, a workout resistance band, like, around his neck. He's already sweating. I'm like geez and i thought see i went to this show thinking it was gonna be more people involved in the scene like i am it was gonna be either other people who own vintage stores designers i thought it was gonna be more of that level because i was like i'm such a specific type that to put me on this show is is interesting you know unless it's like young business owner show like i was like this is gonna be weird so yeah the house is all it's more 80s out than 90s out because there's a big difference. The 80s was a lot of crazy neon colors and like loud zebra and like cheetah print patterns. Like that stuff was kind of all not in the 90s. Like 90s was like oversized baggy t-shirts, like earthy tones, like skate, skater-like looks. You know, it was a big was a big thing in the 90s. So this house was more 80s. It definitely should have been MTV's 80s house. Uh, because it would have made more sense.
0: Yeah, I did so, notice that.
1: Yeah, so it was stupid. The fashion was 80s, everything. Acid wash jeans, like that's not very 90s. Early 90s, but you know, like early home improvement, they might have worn acid well, wash like jeans. like you're
0: saying, like most of the other people on this show, when I was watching it, don't seem like they're capable of being business owners. They were all insane. Absolutely. Yeah, so like because- what are
2: the other people like, or like how are they picked So um,
1: I was the only person on this show that didn't have an actor or a man, who wasn't an actor or had a manager. Like I didn't have anybody representing me. I didn't have to pay anybody for representing me. All these people in the house had managers who essentially fill out resumes for them to apply for these shows that you can do through like apps and stuff like that. So uh, it was, there's some like, acting app i don't know what it is but you can just submit your resumes to whatever they're looking for and then that's how all these other people got on the show um one girl this girl lexus uh i forget where she was from but she uh she was from like this she was supposed to be on like this bachelor type show like she was supposed to be one of the girls that was gonna be on like the bachelor not that but something similar uh another girl Travana uh, was supposed to be on Bad Girls Club. Um, wow. Yeah, so some of them were just like kind of reality leftovers <laughs> that didn't make the cut from a previous show. And there was actually, there was 12 people on my show, which is a lot, especially to live in a house. Like the, like the girls had to share beds. The guys had bunk beds. I ended up sleeping on the couch in the living room because they snored way too loud. Um, but each, each person was like so different and they took these personality tests because they knew who wouldn't get along and who would get along and they asked you a lot of questions like oh what's a pet peeve of yours so if i had a pet peeve <laughs> like i have a, like one thing that i was like oh i don't like it when people talk about signs right like oh i'm a sagittarius you know like to me that's bs i don't care yeah. about any of that so one of the people their first thing when they walked in was like oh, like, what's your sign? I was just like, oh, <laughs> goodness. Like, right away. I was like, hmm. I was like, they know. I was like, they, <laughs> they know, they know. And they're doing this to me on purpose because they're sick. Um,
0: and I, what I also noticed, one of the first things they do is, you know, you have your phones with you when you enter the house, but it's like, you have to give them up. Like, one of the first things they say is like, here's the bucket. Everybody has to put their phones in the bucket. And like the bizarre overreaction, like the religious hysteria, of everybody, like, so, you like, know. They
2: all know it's going to happen, right? Like, <laughs>
0: sobbing and like going nuts when they have to give up their phones. Like, I, th- that's why you got um, not as much screen time as the others, because of how, like, not I insane you are. Not
2: hysterical.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, one, one guy, this guy, Mark, who kept coming to the store after the show uh, ended, sure. kind of really annoying, actually. Nice guy, but, like, just too, like, bubbly and too, like... And it's funny, because he was, like, a reality buff. He, like, watches reality TV shows, had a website dedicated to them where he would submit blogs and stuff. And he came in on one of those hoverboards with Snapchat sunglasses. He had on, like, this Pokemon Go watch. He had a selfie stick. Like, they're like, you're the techie one, because he worked at Apple. So they were, like, come in with everything. And what's interesting is that you're not allowed to have your phone on any reality show. None. If you're on a reality <laughs> show, like, you're not allowed to have a phone. So the fact that they made this even a point was just like a reach. Like They were like, oh, 90s, no phone. One of my favorite things was uh, what Maxim said about the show. Maxim said, oh, look at these poor people living in a house with internet, air conditioning, and refrigeration. We can't wait to hate them all. Like. <laughs> Oh, you lose your phone, your iPod and your laptop. Like, who can you know, like, Ooh, wow. Such sacrifices, you know? Um,
0: and they so try to I get you that. to, they try to get you to start crap with each other too. Like,
1: absolutely. Like yell yeah. at each other. <laughs> so one of the producers was, uh, I forget his name, Steve, Jeff, one of those kind of names. And, uh, <laughs> he, he worked for the Jersey shore for the first two seasons of it. And, uh, he would tell. He would like intentionally tell things to people and try and set them off. Uh, he'd be like, like to a girl, he'd be like, "Oh, that guy, that guy called you a bitch," even though he, if he didn't. And then the cameras would follow her over because they knew she was a confrontational person and would approach him. <laughs> and they knew he'd be a defensive person because we took these personality tests. So she'd be like, "You called me a bitch." He'd be like, "What? No, I didn't." She'd be like, "Yeah, you did. You fucking called me a bitch." So a lot of a lot of this show and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of other reality shows are just manipulation. Um, so another thing, another way they manipulated, uh, they set up challenges in ways that they know you're going to fail because they don't want you to make it past a certain point in the show. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: like the first challenge, they knew that, you know, this girl would lose because you had to work in teams and she didn't get along with working with others. She's like very independent. And they put her in a group that she would purposely class, clash with someone else in the group. And there'd be all this internal struggles and they would never finish. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and when I got eliminated for the second challenge, they know that I'm not a dancer. I don't like to dance. Everybody else like in the show was a dancer. They knew that. And then that's why I got eliminated in the second challenge. Because they knew that I wouldn't succeed at it. And that's why they put it second. Hmm.
2: So much so they like you think they had like intentional kind of challenges for like who they wanted to eliminate basically?
1: hundred percent because huh. for my challenge we had to recreate a music video for an in sync song. Um <laughs> and
2: that's wonderful.
1: And it was absolutely horrible. I do not like this
2: I would watch that.
1: But I did it because it was a competitive show and I wanted the prize. So I, I you know, I did it. I, you know, I sacrificed all my dignity, any pride, gone. T- take that. You can have it, show. Um,
2: so, what was the prize?
1: Uh, $90,000. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, a, ni- uh, a Mazda Miata, like a 90s Mazda Miata. And uh, two tickets for this, like, I love the 90s cruise ship thing that was happening. So, was, you know. It was pretty decent. You know, I wasn't mad at it. Um, So I tried. Uh, I worked my ass off, honestly, to try and dance and get all the words (laughs) down and get the whole routine down. Um, But, like, three out of the six guys on the show were, like, male strippers, so they could (laughs) dance because that comes with the territory. Uh, Another kid, uh, another guy, Mark, uh, teaches acting, and teaches dancing and singing so he could dance. Um, and then the other person just could dance. So they knew I couldn't dance. And then we got three, t- three good takes, right? Like three takes, even though they were probably all, they were recording the entire time, so they were probably all takes. They're like, you get three hard takes where you're just like, this is it. And the third take was the only time I messed up and I kept my arms up when I wasn't supposed to. And then I was like, oh, man, I messed up. What am I going to do? And they're like, oh, that's cool. Don't worry about it, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, when they're showing us, uh, there was like a scene in the show where they show you like what you just taped. Because the first challenge, we had to recreate a 90s sitcom intro based off whatever category they gave us. And mine was family. Uh, Then there was like diner and school. And I think that was it. And then for this, it was Guys Got Instinct had to create a music video. Girls Got Spice Girls had to create a music video. So when we sit down and watch the final product, they always show us to get reactions. They show us like hours, and it's really good. It's like, man, that looks good. Like, they, they use one of the good takes, but when they air it, they aired uh, the uh, bad take where I messed up. Shitty. You- <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of. Aww. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of manipulation. And then,
2: huh.
1: uh, and I didn't think I was getting eliminated for it because they showed me a good take, you know, they right. showed us something good. So I was like, Oh man, like I'm good. I'm golden. I'm staying. Like, I was like, these guys messed up. I'm, I'm good. And then yeah. they, what was called the bounce pad, which is like the pad where um, you uh, like, you find out if you're bouncing or, it was like chilling or bouncing or something. I don't even remember where it was. So I'm up there. It's me and this guy, Mark. And then Lance Bass is like, Will, oh, it was chilling if you're staying, illing if you're leaving. He's like, Will, you're illing. And I was just like, (laughs) oh, what? Like, damn. I was like shocked. And it's funny because they show a reaction of me on television that I knew was my reaction knowing like Post elimination, like they had my reaction, my face, like after I'd found out I was, I'd gotten eliminated because I can tell in the way I'm looking, like I can tell that I'm devastated and that I wasn't actually like, that wasn't before I found out getting eliminated because I thought I was staying. So find out I'm leaving. And the first, after the first elimination, it was like a big party. It's like, yeah, you guys are staying big party. So second elimination, I was like, man, I get to, I missed a party, blah, blah, blah. Um, So I walked back into the house My clothes that I wore there Was like spread out Like on a bed Like my body had just left it Like it was a ghost It just left And my clothes was all spread out And I'm like wow was really morbid Put on all my clothes Grab all my stuff <laughs> I actually had a prop That I wanted to take from the show Which is a card That I actually still have um, It's packed up right now though But I hid it behind something Because I was like If I'm coming back to the show I want this it was just, like, a little stupid prop card from the show that's like, explains the challenge. It's something stupid. Um, but I go I bring, go to my hotel room, you know, talk, tell my friends, like, man, I got eliminated. They were like, what? Already? I thought you were going to win. I was like, yeah, me too, but whatever. I'm no way out, though. I got my phone. They Like, they have this dramatic clip of, like, you turning your phone back on. Like, welcome to the 2000s. Ugh. And it was just... And I saw a chocolate fountain that they had for the party like for when I got eliminated and I was kind of upset. I was like, man, like, I want that chocolate fountain. <laughs> but I did get called in and out. I did get called in and out, which was okay. It was all right.
0: Um, and so, after that, uh, <laughs> have you gotten any calls back for any future shows? No, I have not. Um, Would you? But one of the, what what was that like would you do it i would do
1: it uh i would do it but i'd have to know more about like like getting paid and like everything because they really pay you like crap and uh it's a lot of work you're being filmed for like 16 hours a day hmm. mic for 12 and uh like yeah you get lunch you get breakfast which they film you get a lunch break you get dinner which they film and then uh so and it takes three days to make an episode and the first day is finding out the challenge second day is doing the challenge and the third day's reaction you have to talk about the last two days like they had just happened or, or actually <laughs> not even like they just happened like they're currently happening so you can't be like oh so then we did this you have to be so i'm doing so we're doing it couldn't be then there was no uh we did you know
0: like it was you had to talk present tense and uh
2: that not mess me before. up. <laughs> yeah.
0: I noticed they always do that in The Bachelor. I'm like, huh. there's no way that you're constantly pulling these girls aside to tell them, to ask them about what's happening right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but it was never something I ever really thought about either. I was just like, oh, it's part of the yeah. show. You know, I never was like, when are they doing this? How come they're doing, like, what are they, taking a break where they're talking? And it's like, alright, you go over there and, <laughs> you know, you go over here. Um, but I, uh, I was on another, I was on like another show that I don't really want to get into too much. Uh, Like when I worked for another store, um, it never made it past like the first episode, but that was, uh, that was my first exposure to the interview scenes and all that was just like talking and, you know, after what everything you had just done. But that was a little bit more lenient. And I don't think it was like, like, it's not like we did so much, you know, like, Because there was also so much stuff we did that they filmed that doesn't get used that you also talk about. There was a whole thing Mm with Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell that just did it. And he was like teaching us 90s slang. Like I don't use 90s slang. They'd be like, rad, fat. I'd be like, stupid. Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) There's this whole like fake classroom setup and they didn't even use it. So, but like you talk about it just in case they decide to use it. They try to set up all these fake relationships. Oh, who are you interested in the show? Which girl do you like the most? Blah, blah, blah. I try to set up all this sexual tension. <laughs> so 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 stupid.
0: Um, so now your store uh, is fully online. Do you prefer that or do you like having the physical store? I know it was a lot for you to upkeep and everything.
1: Oh, it was a lot of work uh i like having an online store because there's there's like sort of like with a store with a physical store for me i was always looking at ways to update and things to change it ways to make it better with a website you know you kind of hit a point where you can't really do that as much there's not as much that you have like work you can do at least at my to my knowledge of like what i'm capable of doing i'm sure if i was a computer programmer or something i'd be able to do that a little bit better or someone who knew a little bit more about graphic design um but like a store you know the, just a lot just way more just way more to maintain everything you know like uh i miss the personable interactions though and i miss the people that uh like i met you know i don't see them nearly as much i talk to them on instagram and things occasionally and on twitter but you know i don't the commute was really getting to me too, because it's either you you drive in traffic or you sit on a terrible uh, railroad um, that's longer than the drive, you know? (laughs) So it's like, you can drive there, get there in an hour, but sit in traffic, or you can take the train that's uncomfortable and and expensive, and it takes an hour and a half, you know? It was like, what's the lesser (laughs) of two, what the lesser (laughs) of two evils in my world was to drive. Um, And the commute was absolutely horrible. Um, now I don't have to deal with that. You know, I have more time to concentrate on like the website as far as uploading product, shipping, and it's just, it's just so much better. I just like it so much more. And it actually, I feel like it brings to light things that in my store didn't really get brought to light. Like things stand out a little bit better. You know, you look at it, you're looking at each product individually versus swiping through things on hangers where it's really quick to be like, Oh, what was that? Who "Cares, oh, What was that? What was that? What was, you know, like it's, you know, <laughs> when you look on the website, it's all right in front of you. It's being fed to you differently. So I think that is greater too. It's just a better platform for, um, the, my, my inventory.
0: And then, uh, well, one question I guess I would end on is, uh, a rather bleak one is are you worried about the extinction of these kinds of stores?
1: Extensions of thrift stores or like thrift Extinctions stores? of
0: these small mom and pop shops that you said that like got you into vintage in the first place. Oh, 100%. all stores like yours,
1: absolutely 100%. Um, a store opened up next to mine. Uh, I was like 162 Allen B, so there was an A, it was a store that they split in half and turned it into an A and a B. There's probably some legal term for that that I don't know. Um, they rented it out in April of last year. They are not reopening post quarantine, and that and they were such nice people. It was kind of like an Art Deco kind of head shop thing. Like it was really, it was, it was nice. You know, it was the layout was really nice. They put a lot of work, a lot of money into it. I'm assuming they're not getting the security deposit back, but um, I feel like so many of these online, so many of these mom and pop shops survive based off foot traffic and in long island that's a very hard thing to obtain you know a lot of people drive by something they might never drive past it ever again they might see it and be like what was the name of that place oh i don't remember okay whatever and just completely forget about it um but in the city you get that walking foot traffic so that's able to help those things survive but with all this covid and everything that's happened so many people are afraid to leave their houses to go get food or Go to a like a, like small hole in the wall restaurant or like, you know, a comic book store. Anything, you because know, comics are switching to digital now. There's not going to be like any more, like printed comics, and that's going to hurt a lot of places. Oh. Uh, it's just the internet and everything just completely wiped everything out with its, um, you know, capability and how fast you can get things. You know, Amazon can drop off things in the city probably within a couple of hours. Uh, you know, it knocks the need out of going to the small pet store to get a bag of dog food because you can go to Amazon Prime and get one the next day. You don't even have to leave, you know, for the same price. Maybe cheaper because Amazon's overhead is different than a mom and pop's overhead. So um it's yeah, it's I feel like it was it was on its way out regardless, uh just because Commercial real estate, you know, especially in the New York area, maybe not so much like Minnesota or, you know, like maybe a big city in Minnesota, like Minneapolis might be a lot, but a smaller city or like smaller city in Illinois or something, they'll they'll still be able to survive. But when you're looking to pay like $5,000 a month for, you know, 450 square feet, that leaves room for hardly anything. So, you know, it's uh, owning my own business had made me appreciate everything so much more. Because if you go to a place to eat, now this isn't for the general consumer to, to think of. But when you go to a place to eat, let's say you get a burrito from a small takeout spot, right? And it's $10. You have to think about how much that $10, that burrito is stretched over the course of paying the lights, paying employees, paying for the produce, paying for the meat paying for any little ounce of the napkins the forks the spoons the little containers for hot sauce or the salsa that comes with the chips that are usually free you know you got to really think like that ten dollars is stretched over thing like so thin so you know it really makes me appreciate anything like that because I know how much unseen work and how much unseen love and you know how much sacrifice it takes to create that that you know I, I just appreciate everything like that to a whole different level now wow that
0: was that was a great that was a great note to end on Was caitlin did yeah. you want to ask anything else
2: no that's all i got what was the name of your store again or what's your website
0: you can check out deepcoverny.com uh
1: fr- free shipping within the united states if you use the code friend beers which is my podcast uh you'll get 10 percent off your whole order um, you can check that out on Spotify, the podcast app, um, friend beers on Instagram. I think friend beers one is the Twitter. Uh, you can check out my band resistor. It's, it's heavy music. It's, it's scary stuff. So if you're not a fan of that, I kind of suggest straying away. <laughs> or if you want to get something completely new, a try that's a uh, resistor. We are resistor on Instagram you can find us on spotify apple music youtube all that good stuff and then my own personal uh instagram is will deep cover yeah that's pretty much everything i got
2: all right right.
0: thank you thanks so much will i'm happy to happy to have had you on
1: absolutely it's been a blast
0: all